Welcome to The Politics Guys, a place for a bipartisan, rational, and civil debate on American politics and policy. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. With me today is my regular co-host, Cleveland Area Attorney and Republican Factotum, Jay Carson. Hey, Mike. Hey, Jay. How you doing? I'm doing great. Well, I'm doing okay myself, too. You know, we have a bunch of listener questions, comments, critiques, um, so I thought we'd just jump right in if you're ready. I'm ready. Okay. Uh, let's see here. We will start with... Um, Josh, Josh, who writes, I'm not even sure where I fall down on this political issue, as I think antitrust suits tend to be complicated. But can I ask a favor Amen. that you, yeah, well, yeah, I guess, yeah. But he says, can I ask a favor that you correct the facts that were confused on a recent episode? He says, the two most egregious in my mind were, number one, Jay asked why the regulators weren't going after Android instead of Google. Android has been owned by Google since 2005. Did number, I ask that? I I don't. I don't. I don't think I said that. But I don't. Rec- if I did, if I did, I apologize. So I, that that just could have been a, uh, you know, a miss because I know actually, and Google is is that's like that's Alphabet, right? And so that's the right. the, the main company. And so that might Android have just been an operating a, system that that upon right. which Google operates. Right. So that maybe was just a, a, yeah. a mishearing, misstatement, whatever. So we don't have a problem making a, a correction or, or a clarification, I guess, on that. Um, let's see. The second thing said, Jay cited the ability to download competing apps. This is actually the issue at hand. Google was forcing operators to carry their default apps or they wouldn't allow them to preload the Google Play Store, the app store where you could download competing apps. Okay, that is that's a that is a valid point. If that's if that's the case, that they wouldn't allow uh, access to to competition. Yeah, I, I would I would I would agree that's a much bigger deal. I think the what it was was that they didn't actually, if I understand it correctly, didn't actually pull the access to it, but they threatened to do it, and that threat yeah. was enough essentially. So, and that yeah. certainly is uh, anti. I would call that anti-competitive behavior as well, basically. So. So, yeah, there you go. So, all right. Well, I think that clears up everything that Josh asked about. Yeah. So there we go. All right. Um, let's move on to this time, me taking some heat, Jay. Finally. <laughs> it happens. Okay. Let's see here. Jesse writes, hi there, guys. Been listening since the start of the year and joined your Patreon gang recently. Love what you're doing. That said, Mike, who I typically align most closely with politically, drove me up a wall recently. And here's how. Okay. Yeah, I know you'd like this, Jay. I hear you, Jesse. <laughs> he invoked Occam's razor, that most totally useful and universal of principles, but then almost immediately threw it under the bus with regards to Trump and his very plausible allegiance to Russia. He mentioned, quite reasonably, that the implications of this are horrifying and that it makes him not really want to think about that possibility. However, one can only apply Occam's razor if you're, willing, if you're actually willing to examine all the scenarios you can imagine. Most, of course, will be quickly and deservingly dismissed. But if you're not seriously looking at the snowballing evidence that Trump is in the proverbial pocket of Russia because the idea is scary, then you lose the right to lay claim to Occam's razor because you're throwing out possibilities before applying the razor. For my part, I think Occam's razor is firmly on the side of Trump being scared out of his wits about Russia. Not that he's following an exact playbook, but merely that he knows that they've got unsurvivable amounts of dirt on him, and so he's doing everything he can to prove his continuing usefulness. All of your hosts seem to agree that Trump is mercurial and erratic, 
which is true, which is almost true for everything except his total inability to say an unkind word about Putin or Russia. As your episode almost said, I'm paraphrasing, it's almost impossible to imagine what is driving him to show such an apparent allegiance to Russia and stop short of doing the cognitive contortions necessary to justify Trump's consistent behavior with any non-treasonous motives. That's a prima facie win for Occam's razor, pointing to the worst possible version of the Trump-Russia scenario. It doesn't require four-dimensional strategic chess or butting up with dictators just to offend Democrats or imagining Trump as some unknowable psychological warshark. Trump being personally terrified of what Putin has on him is a simple, clear, and plausible, plausible premise and one that fits the available evidence to a T. Just because it happens to be unprecedented and horrifying doesn't make it illogical. And you're dismissing it because it's scary, which I 100% agree with, is doing a serious disservice to your faithful listeners, of which, by the way, I will continue to be one. Please take all this in the spirit with which it was intended. So, wow, there's a lot there. And, okay, so I get what Jesse is saying about that. Um, so let me try to respond to all that. Okay. And then, um, I'll, then I'll jump in. Okay. So, so has Trump been more Russia friendly than previous administrations? I would say absolutely. I, I, I don't question that at all. Um, now, of course, Occam's razor is that idea of, you know, go with the simplest explanation first. Don't needlessly multiply factors there. Um, I think that's a great starting point, but it's not the only principle. It is a great principle, but not the only one. Um, so Trump is in the pocket of Putin is certainly just about the simplest example I can think of. So on that, Jesse, you and I were right on track, you know. Um, but also, I would say Trump is super insecure about his election, and therefore he refused to take seriously Russian collusion. That's also pretty simple. And not only is it very simple and straightforward, it also ties in very well with what we know about Donald Trump's personality over many decades. Um, you know, and as for that other non-election Russia stuff, the idea that, well, Trump identifies with and perhaps even envies dictators, that also seems to me to be pretty straightforward. And again, it comports very well with what we seem to know about Donald Trump's personality over many decades. You know, so and finally, I think, you know, Occam's razor, great. And I try to go with that whenever I can. But there's also something that's been called the Sagan standard, which is named after Carl Sagan, the great um, uh, uh, scientist. Astronomer. Yeah, astronomer. Um, and Sagan said, extraordinary claims require extraordinary proof. Um, and I, I certainly agree with that. You know, you could certainly say, well, the simplest explanation is that, you know, space aliens have taken over Donald Trump's mind, and he's doing this for that reason. That's very simple and straightforward. It comports with all the facts, but it's an extraordinary claim. Now, I use that, obviously, it's it's ridiculous in extraordinariness. No one that I know of is... Or is it? <laughs> but, but, you know, I would say that the president of the United States is being blackmailed by the president of Russia is an extraordinary claim. And so that, under the Sagan standard, requires extraordinary proof. So I guess that would be my, my fundamental basic response to that is, yeah, I think you can make a case that, you know, that the simplest explanation is that Donald Trump is either in bed with the Russians or that he 
you know, that they have some dirt on him. And that, that fits to a great extent what we see. But it is an extraordinary claim. And so I think it requires extraordinary proof using the Sagan standard. And so that, I guess, is, you know, that, that I guess, is sort of my, my, my response. And I'm sure that some listeners are going to be unhappy with that, I guess. And I hope I'm sort of articulating that well, is that basically that Occam's razor, one great standard, but not the only standard that I use in trying to reach a conclusion. I think the Sagan standard is a good one as well. So there we go. And I guess in the end... Carl Sagan I, says... No collusion. <laughs> yeah, like that. But That's the short version, yeah. I guess I'll say once again, in part, and, and I, I am waiting for what Robert Mueller finally comes out with. And we talked about on the, the weekend show, there's some talk that maybe this is winding down. And, you know, there's no guarantee that his main report is going to be made public. Certainly big parts of it will leak out in one way or the other. But, and again, to me, I'm dealing with a situation, it seems to me, where there's so much more that the investigators know that I don't know. And so I am hesitating reaching any conclusions until I have more of what I feel is solid evidence as opposed to kind of third party conjecture sort of stuff, you know? And so, you know, I was responding uh, earlier this week to uh, Scott, uh, one of our long-term loyal listeners who he's just very, very adamant about the fact that we're not getting into the sort of case against collusion, the fact that there are, there are, there are all these, and I'm going to make this sound more conspiracy-ish than it should. And for that, Scott, I apologize that, that there is this kind of effort against Trump and you, some people call it deep state and that kind of thing. I don't know. But the problem, the reason why I think that we haven't talked about it is so much of it is just kind of this, it feels to me like unverifiable kind of down the rabbit hole. I would call it Michael Moorish type of stuff. I mean, and that's, that's always been my problem with Michael Moore. He'll make these bizarre, these wild, like 12 point connections. And to me, that's a path that isn't a very fruitful path. I need something a little more solid, you know, these arguments by innuendo and that sort of thing. I, I'm just inherently uncomfortable with that. Maybe it's because I'm a social scientist and I feel I tend to deal more in more concrete things or I, you know, from a disciplinary standpoint, I've, I've been trained to do that. So I, I don't know. But that's why I think I would resist that, whether, regardless of whether it was a thing against uh, Obama or Trump or anyone, really. So that's kind of my long and winding response to all that. Okay? You said that, you was, had... that, was, that was long and winding. Yeah, I know. Um, I, I just... But, but I, I think you're, you're not wrong. No, I, I was just going to make the point of, of uh, Occam's razor is useful in situations where you don't have all the facts or you can't have all the facts, right? Uh, there's, there are some things that you don't know. And in some cases just might not be able to find out and you have to make a decision at that point. What do you go with? You go with the simplest solution that fits the facts that you have. Um, and, and that's to some extent, not exactly where we are because we're getting more facts and we will get more facts. Uh, so, so we don't have to make that decision now um my view the the occam's razor view and i'm not i'm not discounting what what jesse says because i think the idea that trump is uh either in in bed with knowingly with with russia to me that that seems far-fetched uh if it is just he's using kid gloves because he's afraid the russians have something on him that to me seems uh, plausible uh but i don't think that case has been proven yet 
Uh, and the more, you know, Occam's razor is simple explanation that, that I would propose, and I think I sort of made this clear last time, was that, look, Trump's a jackass. Uh, he's got he, he's got a thing for strong men, strong leaders, uh, and his his nice words uh, towards Putin uh, sort of make sense in, in that context. Uh, because also, if you consider the, the policy stuff, he has taken uh, more steps against Russia. I mean, he's bombed Syria, uh, bombed uh, um, Russian allies. Uh, he has uh, uh, allowed uh, lethal um, uh, force to uh, Ukrainians to defend themselves um, that the prior administration didn't do. So I think you have to weigh those things in there also. If he says nice things uh, as far as Putin goes, uh, does the policy necessarily reflect a change? I haven't seen that yet. Um, so all that said, uh, you're exactly right. I mean, there's more evidence to come in, and and we can make our decision on on the evidence then. Um, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. All right, let's move on to Anne, who uh, says that she wrote that in 2016 she found herself having to choose between two extremely distasteful candidates, and I think that's a position a lot of listeners sympathize with. I, Amen. I know I do. She writes, um, "How do you think we've gotten to this point?" Why haven't we gotten better candidates? Does it have anything to do with the fact that they're subjected to scrutiny over every aspect of their lives? Um, she continues on saying, it seems as though everything is wrong and keeps getting worse. I'm not certain about, for instance, single-payer health care, for instance. But what we, have, what we have, sure, isn't working, and yet we can't get anywhere. And, and you know, I think that's a, a frustration that a lot of Americans on both sides share, certainly, Jay. So any thoughts about... Uh, why we can't seem to get better candidates or can't seem to get anywhere. It's obviously, it's a big meta question. Mm -hmm. People could write books on it, but uh, yeah. Um, well, Mike, I'll tell you what we will, we will do. I promise a, a big show on this, uh, later. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, I, I think I'll just point out that being a candidate is, is really, uh, difficult, uh, in so many ways that, that folks, uh, I think don't, don't appreciate, um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's sort of a, a big hassle to your lifestyle. And there are a lot of people who, who are, if they're smart, successful, uh, civic minded, um, simply don't want to put themselves, uh, through what, what you have to go through. And when you say scrutiny, um, scrutiny is one thing, but it's also just, you have a whole lot of people just making stuff up about you. Um, saying nasty attacks, things about, yeah. yeah, saying nasty things about you, your family, and 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 all that. And it's it's it, to a lot of folks, it's sort of well, what's what's the point? Uh, you know, particularly if if you're saying, look, I'm going to run for Congress, uh, I will go there and be a a uh, one of 435 other members. Uh, my voice will not, you know, uh, really appreciably change anything. Can you say any one individual congressman? Uh, Congresswoman does uh, well in some cases, yeah, but it often takes years before they they gain that kind of traction uh, to make real uh, real change. Um, uh, and then there's also this this um, uh, I want to say bias against uh, moderation, and I don't want to sell that the, the wrong way, but um, there are a a zillion interest groups uh, out there. Uh, and when you're a candidate, you get, uh, these, you know, surveys from them asking what's your position on X, Y, Z. Um, uh, and they, you know, these, these groups are, are typically, uh, they're interested in candidates who check all the boxes. 
Uh, and, and often if, if it's someone who, who, uh, you know, diverts from the, you know, look, you can say, I'm, I'm really a big second amendment champion on, on all these things, but you know, I don't think we ought to, um, uh, you know, bump stocks, uh, should be, should be regulated as, as, uh, uh, class three firearms. Right. Um, which, which would be a not, uh, not unreasonable position. I don't think, um, you know, they will say, look, this guy's a sellout. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Likewise, if the on the other side, uh, unless you are willing to take a position that if possible, I would ban all guns, you're going to get heat from the other side. So there's there's sort of little incentive um, uh, for for having any sort of nuance and like, yeah, I, you know, I accept this to a certain extent, but here's where I would draw a line. Um, and candidates face heat with that of, of again, if you want to get uh, endorsements, you want to get funding. Um, uh, People want you to be all in, and you're either you're either with them or against them. Uh, so that's that's part of it. Um, uh, what else? I, I guess I guess those. I mean, to me, from from my view, having worked uh, in a number of campaigns, um, it's it's also just it, it's sort of a a, a, a stress uh, on the candidate just psychologically. In that, um, you always have to sort of be on. Uh, right. <laughs> you, you can't flip people off in traffic anymore. Um, you can't, uh, you know, and it's, it's a, it's, it's a, a strange, uh, a strange thing being, uh, you know, oftentimes again, you're all of a sort of a, a public, uh, to the extent, you know, anyone pays attention to this, uh, sort of figure. Um, uh, so I, I don't know, I guess, I guess those were my reasons why you don't get, get better candidates. And, and, as, and by better, I'm assuming, you mean folks who are sort of, you know, willing to just, you know, make decisions on the facts, look at this and, uh, or that issue and, uh, would be willing to sort of, you know, make some, make some, uh, uh, compromises and that sound he's even saying that kind of sounds bad, right? Make yeah. some compromises. Um, but would be willing to sort of meet the other side halfway and, and, you know, walk away with half a loaf as opposed to a whole. Um, those, I think those are the factors that, push against it. Sure. And that gets into the whole issue of increased polarization and nastiness that we've talked about. And, and, you know, the issue of, like you said, not being able to be yourself at all. I mean, now, you know, now if you are a candidate for anything, you need to assume that at any, anything you go to, anything you do, there's going to be someone with a phone who is going to be, who is going to be recording everything you are doing. And that's a, that's an awful lot of strain on any human being, you know, and, and so that lack of privacy that everyone has much less of now, especially candidates, just makes it just extraordinarily difficult in ways that I think, you know, most people just can't, just can't appreciate. So. Yeah. One, one, one other thing, I, I think that because of there's, there's so much that, that you have to go through with this, um, it sometimes attracts people who are in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah, sure. Um, who are, are so, uh, dug in, who are so, um, let's say lacking in humility, right? right. I'm, I'm always uh, right about that, that they're drawn into that because that's, that's the kind of personality you almost need to get through it. Yeah. If politics becomes a reality TV show, then you get reality yeah. TV type candidates. Yeah. So there you go. As we know, um, even at the highest office. So, yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. Let's see. Ryan asks, Jay, what's your line in the sand on Trump? What would he have to do in order for you to walk away since you agree with a good portion of his policies and judges, but disagree with his, let's go with temperament. 
Um, I'm, I'm not, well, first of all, I guess I, um, I'm flattered that you, you're asking me for, for my opinion. Um, because I, again, I'm not, I'm not out here to endorse Trump. And I think I'm pretty clear most of the time that, that uh, I've got problems with them. Uh, and I'm not sure exactly what you mean by walk away. Uh, uh, again, I, I didn't vote for him. Um, that's about as walking away as you can get. I yeah. Um, you know, so it's sort of, um, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, the, the way I, you know, I think this is what, what both of us do on, on every show is sort of, we look at the issues on the issues and kind of call them like we see them. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, Trump's absolutely wrong on trade. Uh, I think his, his erratic behavior, um, uh, takes away from a lot of things that, that, uh, could get done, uh, distracts from important other messages, uh, makes the country look, uh, foolish, um, uh, you know, it tends to, to embarrass us and so forth. Um, uh, that said, look, I think, I think, uh, the judges so far have been good picks and I think the tax reform, uh, bill has been, uh, uh, good public policy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure, um, I, I don't know, because I, I, because Mike, we get a lot of this of like, when will Jay condemn Trump? Um, and okay. I mean, I'll, he's, he's, you know, <laughs> he is here, hereby condemned. Um, uh, I, I don't, you know, <laughs> Has, has he changed anything yet? So I, yeah, I guess that's the best answer I, I okay. can have. I, I, don't, I don't have a, a line in the sand because I, I don't really see things as um, I'm with him or against him. I'm, I'm looking at issue by issue. And uh, um, so it would, it would maybe tell me if this is right. Would it be fair to say that you uh, condemn him as a person? You condemn what he is doing to the institution of the presidency. Yeah. But, but, you build, you you agree with certain of his policy proposals? Would that yeah. be a fair way to put it? Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I would I would point out really that you know let's if you want to talk about um, uh, Neil Gorsuch or uh, uh, Kavanaugh uh, or uh, the tax um, uh, tax reform, which again to me those if if you want to look at what are the achievements of the Trump presidency, I'd add I'd add in a lot of deregulation. Those are things that you likely would have seen uh, under any Republican yeah, candidate. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Seen, you know, in one form or another. Yeah. Uh, those aren't particular Trump ideas. If anything, those are those are uh, situations where Trump has deferred to uh, the, the more traditional Republican uh, view of things. Yeah. Um, yeah, it so, seems yeah, to me I, that if there are, if there are, if you take all the things that Donald Trump has done as president that essentially any other of the Republican nominees would have done, you're almost like a hundred percent practically for them. But if you take out all the things that are uniquely Donald Trump, you are almost exclusively yeah, against Vlad, Vlad Putin. I would say, uh, that would be highly unlikely that any other Republican candidate yeah. would have, would have done that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, let's see here. Tony asks, I would love to know what you guys think of the farmers that are getting handouts. Are they hypocrites for accepting the handouts after voting for Trump on his platform to take away handouts? And uh, Tony here obviously means that $12 billion, uh, $12 billion in assistance to farmers who are hurt by the retaliatory tariffs that were in response to uh, Donald Trump's tariffs, essentially. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think they're hypocrites for accepting them. I think if, you know, if you're, if you, uh, if you're subject to a policy that hurts you, and you have a way of keeping your business going while well, you take that, certainly. Um, but I, I guess I would say that the, the larger problem is that the, the president first 
created a problem, and then he uh, tried to partially solve the problem he created by taking money from the taxpayers and giving it to a smaller group who wouldn't need it in the first place if he hadn't created the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> exactly, that's, you know. I think that's exactly right. I mean, on, on the one hand, uh, from a, a purely policy and uh, philosophical standpoint, uh, I think it's this is sort of like a, a double uh, <laughs> double tragedy. I mean, you ought not yeah. to have the tariffs in the first place to cause the problem. And then you're compounding it by uh, government handouts, which is sort of the second big piece that, you know, again, sort of like Milton Friedman must be, you know, kind of rolling in his grave here. Um, uh, that said, I, I don't blame these these farmers uh, in particular uh, or, or find them to be hypocrites. I think I think you're right. If the government causes you a problem and then they're willing to compensate it, compensate you for it. Well, that's probably all, all uh, well and good uh, for you. Again, it's a larger policy problem for the rest of the, the country that's sort of now subsidizing uh, this, this cost. And I, I should point out, Mike, you used to be, um, again, back in the day, uh, Mike and I roomed together in Washington. We had another roommate uh, who was from a farm state, uh, right. Montana, I believe. Yep. And and you guys used to pick on him all the time over farm subsidies. That's right. Um, because he would talk about how like they weren't they weren't growing uh you know whatever crop they're getting paid for not growing whatever crop on their land, uh, and you made the the great uh, uh, comeback. Well, I'm you know because because something it was something like it was not you know good farmable land or something. And you made the great point of like well neither is my driveway. I'm not <laughs> growing any crops on my driveway. Where's my where's check? my money? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that was back in the day when when Mike was a little more reasonable on these things. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I I just wanted to to point that out, kind of in uh, in in fun, and again to the extent that people wonder what I think, uh, you know. Yeah. Again, well, yeah. I'm, I'm flattered, but I, I'm, I guess the bigger point is is what's the the typical conservative uh, response, and I say it's you know. Yeah, I I, I would. Questions. No, I would say, though, I, I think what Tony maybe in part is saying that, you know, these folks said, yeah, we're all for uh, protectionism and, and more jobs in America. And so now that the president's seemingly doing stuff along those lines, shouldn't they put their money where their mouth is? I, I guess I would say that I don't think that a lot of these folks understood the implications because I think they just assumed that there'd be some way to magically bring jobs back. Cause that's sort of what the president yeah. seemed to suggest to them when he was a candidate. So I think they were sold a bill of goods because yeah. this is well, pretty complex stuff. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. There's also, there's also an assumption kind of baked in that these farmers who were getting the, the checks did vote for Trump. Sure. Uh, I know a lot of people in those States did, did, you know, people who are now being hurt by that. I, that's, I'm probably some of them. Um, but then you also factor in, um, there are people who, who would have said, look, I think Trump's absolutely wrong on trade. Gosh, I hope he doesn't do this, what he's talking about. But, uh, man, we need him when it comes to Supreme court vacancies yeah. and they're willing to kind of hold their nose and, and vote on that way. So people vote for, for a variety of different reasons. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and I, my sense, most of the people in the farm belt country who voted for him didn't vote for him on the protectionist. Uh, type agenda. Now, I think folks maybe in uh, you know Pennsylvania and Michigan and, and places like that maybe more so. But yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, here. Let's see. Uh, Scott wants us to, in his words, let's see, discuss why the DOJ won't comply with congressional requests for documents and why, after claiming that the really bad information was in the redacted portion of the FISA warrant, won't join the Demo won't the Democrats join in a bipartisan effort to release additional portions of the warrant? Um, 
So I guess my thoughts on this, I, I think there's a little difference of opinion on this. Now, so far, uh, Department of Justice officials say that they've given Congress access to nearly 900,000 pages of documents they've requested. And according to the FBI director, Christopher Wray, who is a, a Trump appointee, uh, by the way, uh, he, he says, I'm committed to being responsive to congressional oversight, but I'm also unwilling to budge on talking about ongoing investigations and protecting sources and methods. So to me, that's where the tension is on this whole thing. The, the DOJ is saying, we're going to give you what we can, but we're not going to get into certain of this stuff that's that's sensitive because of ongoing investigations and sources and methods. And, and certain Republicans in Congress want a lot more than that. And they're working it out, you know, and it's, it's, a, it's a slow process. And I think there's a small group of Republicans in Congress who want to make this a very public partisan process when this sort of thing goes on all, all the time, this ridiculous impeach uh, Rod Rosenstein thing when, you know, Donald Trump could order the mm. Department of Justice to turn over all of these documents. So really, it's Donald Trump you have an issue with. But of course, that's not the point. This is being done to score political points and to discredit the investigators, which is what I have a huge problem with. So to me, this kind of thing goes on a lot more than people might realize. And it's the kind of thing that's being worked out. But there's a small group of members of Congress who are deciding to try to make political hay with it. And I think that's just, that's just wrong. So that, that's sort of my take on it. Jay? Um, I think Scott raises a really good question. Okay. And, and, and no, I, and, and look, um, there is, uh, we have a system that provides for congressional oversight. Uh, they have asked to ask for some very specific information that would not seem to um, uh, preclude or, or implicate uh, methods or sources. Uh, and the Justice Department has stonewalled. Um, well, Stonewall is an unfair support. word. That's not that's not true. Stonewall well, no, suggests well, no, that they've they've just said no. We refuse to. It's been an ongoing negotiation. So well, Stonewall, no, is a Stonewall those like they haven't they haven't given uh, the documents, and it it came to the point of are we going to have to threaten you with contempt of Congress before they started giving some of the documents, and, and even then they they still didn't. Um, I'm just going to throw out like one little. Thing. I mean, I don't know if you've you've seen the FISA warrant. It's it's uh, available online now, um, but some of the redactions are are interesting. Uh, and to me, one of the most interesting ones, because this goes to one of the, the biggest questions, is when did this investigation start? The date on which the FISA warrant application was was submitted is redacted. Now, how does that affect uh, methods or sources? I don't know. Um, and even so, most people, you, you, we've got a general, we know what month it was. Um, uh, but, uh, the other, the other thing that I think belies uh, a lot of what justice is saying about methods and, and sources are when these things are eventually, uh, released and, and whether it's in redacted or non-redacted form, you realize, look, there was nothing that, that needed to be protected back three months ago when you wouldn't give it give this to us, which raises the suspicion, and, and I think it's it's quite a legitimate one, uh, that Justice Department doesn't want to give this stuff out simply because it is embarrassing to it uh, in, in one way or another. So that's that's my response. I, I am all for, um, I, I, think, I, under, know, I understand the tension between uh, congressional interference with an ongoing investigation 
but I also appreciate the role of con- congressional oversight, sure. uh, particularly in something like this, where it goes to surveillance of someone associated with a presidential campaign uh, and that that warrant was granted. And again, you can look at the the actual FISA application now uh, on on based largely, if not exclusively, on the dossier, which is something that was uh, denied previously. So yeah, I think that you're you seem to be very willing to extend a presumption of good faith on on the on the part of Congress, but not on the part of uh, the FBI, the Department of Justice. You're, you know, you're you're making this assumption that that they're trying to hide something that's embarrassing to them, even though, like I said, the Republican, the Trump nominated and Republican confirmed FBI director supposedly has this long history of impeccable, you know, conduct and integrity and all this sort of thing that Republicans were talking about. And and yet and yet these these people you know, the, these people who are calling for this, these incredibly partisan people who don't have that same reputation, the Jim Jordans and the Meadows and these people who I think are tremendously destructive to the democratic process uh, and to and who don't seem to give a frankly, don't seem to give a damn about anything about except for pushing their own, you know, their own partisan, hyper partisan agenda. These are the people you're more than willing to say, oh, they just want information, which to me is sure. a double standard. Well, no, I would I would look at this and, uh, you know, if we look at uh, what I said on the, the Saturday show when we were talking about the Manafort trial, um, to me, a lot of this, the motivations don't really matter. If it's politically motivated, uh, so what? I mean, just as if uh, the, the investigation into Manafort is politically motivated, look, he's still... Uh, you know, there's still a, a, a good likelihood that he committed these, these crimes, uh, and, and he ought not to be excused for it simply because the person who's prosecuting him, uh, may have a political motive to do so. Uh, likewise, certainly Congress has a political motive to, to do this. Uh, but that's, that's part of the beauty of our system, right? That you've got an opposition party that's willing to hold, uh, other, other branches and other, uh, parties. And in this case, there's a, an odd correlation between one party and, and uh, the executive branch um, hold their feet to the fire. So to me, it, it's sort of whatever their motives are, if the investigation is leading us to uh, the the conclusion that uh, the FBI submitted a FISA warrant based on information that it knew was unverified, and it said it was verified to the court, um, uh, in order to... Uh, intercept communications of an American citizen uh, associated with a political campaign, that's that's really pretty troubling. And those facts ought to come out regardless of of whether they're doing it for partisan motives or whether they're doing, doing it for for some greater good. And I would say, you know, in a lot of people's minds, the the sort the two sort of overlap. But so I, I, just to be clear, are you and maybe I'm wrong about this. Are, are you saying that basically if Congress asks for documents, then the Justice Department, that that argument that uh, they don't want to, that they can't release things about uh, sources and methods and so forth, that that just doesn't matter. That Congress gets whatever it wants. No, no, not so at all. So I guess that's what I, 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 that's I, where I I'm having trouble. I think, there's a, I think there's a good argument saying sources and methods, but my point is, um, see, that's sources what I'm, and yeah. sources. Just saying, up oh, sources and methods. That's not a free pass. Sure. No, I I totally agree with you. I guess that's why I'm having trouble understanding because it seems and, like you're you're willing to accept. The argument that the the sources and methods things is being used disingenuously by the DOJ, mm-hmm. but that there's no 
I don't know why exactly you're, you're, you're assuming that, but on the other hand, you just assume that this is just this case of these, you know, these faultless congressional truth searchers and that, that therefore if the FBI, the DOJ isn't releasing something, that must be the assumptions that they must not have legitimate reason for doing that. And that's, I guess, why aren't you willing to extend to them the benefit of the doubt, I guess is what well, I'm wondering. Because, because here's the thing. A lot of the, the people who have been asking for this information are people who are cleared to see it, right? Okay. This is not a matter of, of you know, we're asking this uh, to be released in the New York Times. These are folks who have the security clearances. Uh, the other piece of this going to the same thing is, is why weren't, it's, it's called the, the gang, of, uh, gang of Eight, mm -hmm. Uh, leadership in the uh, uh, political parties and on the intelligence uh, oversight committees. Uh, why weren't they informed of of this investigation before? Which which would have been sort of the standard procedure. Um, and uh, so far, the the Justice Department's you know response has been uh, <laughs> you know no we're we're uh, uh, you know because you know you know well, you don't need to know you can't handle the truth kind of thing. Um, so. That's that's why I think there's there's a lot of reasons and 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 also the the fact that the what we have seen as it's been declassified, which was originally held up because it supposedly would compromise sources and methods, uh, does not seem to whatsoever. Um, okay. That's that's my now now all that said, I I'll agree with you on uh, Trump could solve this problem by declassifying everything. Right. So I'm wondering. And we're in agreement on that. Given so. that he doesn't seem to be have a whole lot of reluctance with interfering with the process at any other point, it's 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 puzzling to me. I mean, legitimate. I'm not trying to be funny about this. It's it's legitimately puzzling to me why he wouldn't do that. Which makes me think there's got to be something going on that I don't know about because that seems to me to just be an obvious and simple fix. But because yeah. so that's just weird to me, honestly. It's it's weird to me that he hasn't yet um, either. I mean, I can come up with a bunch of bunch of reasons why he would or why he wouldn't, um, but it would all be it would all be just be yeah. you know be me guessing. And one, okay, look, one one, uh, you know, the conclusion that the left would have you draw is well, he's not going to declassify it because he knows that's going to uh, show that he's a crook in bed with Russia. He's a Russian agent, so forth. Um, but there, there's a less there's a less. Uh, 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 I wouldn't say negative, but there's a more straightforward explanation is that he has been briefed on what this is about. And he has agreed with the department of justice that this, this, this does need to be kept secret because of sources and methods and so forth. I mean, that's the kind of explanation right. that doesn't make Trump a, a Russian agent or anything like that. And that's right. kind of the one that, uh, you know, talk about the, the Occam's razor sort of thing. I would assume that, you know, Donald Trump, hasn't done that because he asked because his people he's, about because it. Because he's a responsible guy, Mike, right? Well, okay. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> that's what you're saying. You know, right? I don't go that far, but, uh, Listen, uh, yeah. No, no. And then that, again, that's a, that's a, uh, an equally plausible, um, uh, reading that, that he's looked at then. And said, yeah, it really would compromise some, you know, this information really would compromise some methods and sources. Yeah. Uh, the other is, um, maybe he's just let waiting to, to let this all play out. See what see what Congress gets, see what they can get, uh, and then uh, at the end of the day, when they don't get it, uh, then um, then say, listen, if they're not going to give this to Congress as they ought to, I'll just go ahead and declassify it. Yeah. 
Because I should point out that there are a number of members of Congress, Republican members, who are essentially saying that, yeah, you know, we're we're working through it and so forth. So it's not yeah. like the Republicans are as a group up in arms uh, about this. There are certainly some folks who are more upset than others. Okay, uh, let's see. Finally, today we have Jesse who writes, it's kind of related. I'd like to know how Jay feels about Trump's impending attempt to stop the Mueller investigation and how the GOP should respond to it. After the recent Sessions tweet and insane behavior at the Helsinki summit, it looks like he's going to do something drastic soon. Um, again, flattered that, that people want my personal opinion, um, but I'll, I'll give it. Um, I think that would absolutely be insane uh, to for Trump to do anything to shut down the Mueller investigation. Uh, it would it would throw fuel on the fire. I don't think it would uh, it would get it. And, and again, the, the procedural way that this would all come out would would be just just got awful um and i'm, I'm talking not even on the, the the merits of the thing i'm just talking on the the politics and the optics of it is he would go to rod rosenstein and say i want you to fire Mueller." uh rosenstein would say no i won't trump would say yes you will rosenstein would say i resign uh then you get the next person in and i want you to file file Mueller, uh fire Mueller, and He'd say no, I won't, and uh, you know it would be the the Friday night massacre exactly. that, yeah, the that Nixon, uh, thing, Nixon right. had. Uh, eventually, he'd he'd find somebody um, uh, who would who would agree to fire Mueller, um, uh, and then the immediately all the flames would be you know burning as to why did he do this? He's trying to stop the investigation. I I think the much the much smarter political play is to to continue to to let it play out. Say, listen, I have. Nothing to hide. Uh, the facts are going to show that uh, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, you know, no collusion, um, and uh, you know, stick with that. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't, I just, I, I think it would be absolute uh, political suicide for him, and also uh, for uh, Republican candidates. I mean, why would you, why would you do that to them? Um, uh, because then they'll face the same question that I'm facing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as to, you know, why is he doing this? Why isn't he doing this? Um, and, and again, your, your average guy out there running for Congress is going to say, you know, beats the hell out of me, uh, and would say something about the, uh, you know, look, I, I, you know, uh, hope the investigation, I would have the investigation move forward. And it just gives fuel on the fire for the Democrats to say, you need to elect Democrats so we can impeach and do a, do a hearing. Uh, and even so, um, it's not as if, if Mueller was fired, this would all go away. Uh, there would still be the the various um, uh, U.S. attorneys who who could uh, investigate you know, different matters. Uh, there would still be, assuming the Democrats were to take control, um, uh, congressional investigations that would go into the same thing. So it it's it, it wouldn't go away. Um, uh, I, I don't. I have to think uh, Trump is smarter than to do that. I think the. The tweets are just sort of, it's just Trump being Trump, and he's just kind of trolling uh, uh, trolling Democrats and so forth and doing this. I don't think he seriously um, would consider doing anything to end the, uh, the, the Mueller investigation. At least, uh, again, at least I think that would be, a, that would be bad uh, politically, and I think it'd be bad policy-wise, too. Yeah. Well, I think what he's doing, obviously, make, makes a lot of sense for him personally. He's put a lot of effort into essentially completely doing what he can to completely discredit the investigation. And that that's the smart move for him individually, politically, is that's that way, no matter what is in Bob Mueller's final report, 
a huge hunk of the public is just going to not believe it because he's been totally discredited by sure. the president for that, you know? And so I think that's clearly his playbook. And to be fair, politicians and people have done that strategy of discredit the investigation, you know, from the get-go. But the difference is the level to which this president has taken it and also the hyper-partisanship of the news media, which amplifies these messages. And so it's, it's, at a, it's at a degree we haven't seen for, well, for a long, long time, certainly. It was, it was like that in the early days of the Republic, but, you know, it, it's been quite a while since that. And, of course, that to me is the big concern because, and we've talked about this a bunch of times before, is that while that might work for you personally, then when people feel like they can have no trust in any institutions, that is really horrible for democracy as a general rule. And you, I know you agree with that. Yeah, as well. no, I, I agree with that. And I, I would also say though, I, I think it's, it's, it's not, it's not completely unhealthy to, 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 to push back on, on investigations. If you think they're, uh, they're not fair, uh, or, or that they are, Again, somehow misleading or sure. rigged witch hunts. I really like that rigged witch yeah. hunts. There's a line, um, basically, and there's no. I mean, I'm just thinking about. Look, look. I mean, uh, uh, Joe McCarthy uh, was conducting an investigation uh, about Russian collusion uh, in in our our military and our State Department. Um, a lot of people pushed back on that, and rightfully so. And it turns out, yeah, McCarthy was. You know, a lot of this was was BS. Um, you know, so I, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think it's the tactic of uh, questioning the investigation is an old one. That's the standard tactic that's used. And um, uh, when you do that, it's it's sort of a good thing in that it it puts the burden on investigators to yeah. to make sure that they're acting appropriately. So. Sure. And there's there's obviously, and I'm sure you would say, just to make it clear, listeners, you're not suggesting this is the equivalent of the of Joe McCarthy's investigation. There's a difference between, you know, one individual, sure. for instance, senator with a history of, of mental health and drinking problems, uh, launching some crazy <laughs> claims, you know, and uh, there you go. <laughs> and, and, you know, and uh, yeah, exactly. But, uh, but yeah. All right. Yeah, no, this is, yeah, this is, this is different. Uh, um, uh, in, in that uh, there is in, in McCarthy, it was just sort of um, unsubstantiated uh, claims. Yeah. Um, but, but let's, let's look, I mean, and I know we're running, we're running short on time, but, but, uh, look, the Whitaker Chambers, uh, uh, Alger Hiss, uh, investigation, um, in that case, I mean, that, that's, there was, um, I mean, Hiss, Hiss was a, a, you know, anyway, don't, yeah. don't get me started on that, but. Okay. We won't, <laughs> but, but yeah, whole other story. have a day on Hiss, yeah. Whitaker Chambers, but. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, that I guess does it for this episode. Thanks everyone for listening. We do hope you like what you heard. And of course, listener support is what keeps the show going. We really do appreciate it. So if you'd like to help us out, you know what to do. Politicsguys.com slash support. That's a direct link or just go to politicsguys.com and click on the Patreon or PayPal links. You will see there or click on support on the menu. Also, if you could share episodes, that would be great or leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes. If you want to get in touch with us, mail at politicsguys.com. There's our Facebook page where we post stuff throughout the week. That's facebook.com slash politicsguys page. And we're also on Twitter at politicsguys. The oh, and, uh, can I, can I, I'm sorry. Can I sure have one can. last thing? Oh, I absolutely. Know, please do. Um, Jay. Cause I know someone asked, uh, and again, I was, was off for uh, a week or so um, on the, uh, the Russian, uh, the, uh, uh, 
uh, Soviet influence uh, programs in the United States. It was the, the church-related program I mentioned. I will I will put that information out on I don't know if you on Facebook or uh, or maybe on the next show. And I apologize I didn't get to it oh, uh, right. today, but yeah. I've but I've got it and it's 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 good. Um, right. So cool, excellent. So I, I apologize because uh, I do want to uh, back that up and uh, make it clear, but. Um, I don't have it in front of me right now. So we will look forward to it this week on the Facebook yes. page. Great. Thanks, Jay. Okay. I've got, I've got the evidence. I've got facts. <laughs> That's important. All right. Uh, the they're, exec- hidden, they're hidden in a pumpkin. <laughs> if anyone gets that, you get a pumpkin. Oh, yeah. Very good. <laughs> All right. The executive producers of the politics guys are me, Michael Baranowski, you, Jay, Jay Carson, Trey Orndorff, and Bruce Johnson. Today's show is produced by Michael Baranowski. We'll be back with a new show on Saturday. We hope you'll join us.